0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today is Sally Hogshead. Uh, She is an author, speaker, consultant, and author of the book Fascinate, which uh, some of you may recall uh, I had Sally on when that book came out. It is now a worldwide phenomenon uh, based on her studies of psychology, neurology, economics, and history of fascination. So Sally, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, John, it's great to be able to join you today.
0: So, uh, let me ask you a real quick question. I'm reading another book right now with the title, uh, the simple title, Charisma. Um, and I wonder if, I, I bet you there's some people that say, well, you just have to be charismatic to be fascinating. And I wonder if maybe you'd set the table a little bit about how those two things are different.
1: Charisma is something that you either have or you don't. It's difficult to learn it, it's difficult to to apply it to your personality without being inauthentic. Or, or, or in some way using an artificial technique. The difference is this. There are certain parts of your personality that make you fascinating to others, that make people value you, that make them believe you and respect you and want to do business with you and want to stay loyal to you. And you don't have to artificially apply that. It's not about being a snazzy conversationalist and dazzling people when you first meet them. It's about understanding what are those core built-in personality advantages that you have today, that you've always had, that you can go back through your life and look at the guideposts of your career. And see them rising again and again as these key advantages that you can use in your relationships and your communication. And so what I do is identify. I develop the first assessment that actually identifies and measures what exactly are those advantages that are most likely to be fascinating to other people based on your natural, hardwired, authentic strengths.
0: And and you've come up. I've taken the test and it's it's like a lot of those. It's, it's actually kind of fun and revealing and affirming sometimes. Um, so you've come up with I, I think there's not is it nine kind of key triggers and then you do all the math and you get 40 or 50 different uh, what you've called archetypes. Is that right?
1: Yes, there are seven different triggers, which are the main categories, and the the, the triggers are the are the, the the big modes of communication. So if you if you communicate with passion, that means you connect easily, you build relationships quickly, people bond with you, you're intuitive and social and participatory. These personalities come they uh, they come bounding into the room. They like to talk about, um, you know, hey, what what are you thinking? How are you feeling? They like to brainstorm. On the other hand, if you look at a personality like, say, a trust personality, a a personality that's based on patterns and schedule and regularity and um, trust personalities like to be able to predict what's going to happen. They like things to be reliable. They don't really like big surprises or chaos. So the passion personality thrives on the chaos and the emotion and uh, you know, relishes the ups and the downs. The trust personality really doesn't want the drama. To them, it feels like, like fuss, you know, like, I don't want to know how the sausage is made. I just want to get my job done. So when we take these two different personalities, as you begin to understand which one of those two personality types that I just described are most likely to describe how the world sees you, then you can begin to use that to leverage that not only in your marketing, but in every aspect of your communication.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I really love about um, what you teach and preach is you're not telling people you have to be this or you'll do better if you're X or you work on this personality. You you really are saying figure out who you are and make that your advantage.
1: Yes. Um, For a long time there's been this whole idea that that there's a right way to do it. There's a right way to succeed, a right way to attract clients or impress people. And uh, you know, I think this kind of comes out of Dale Carnegie's writings and and these success books that came out in the '80s and the '90s. Yeah, right. This idea that, um, yeah, you gotta gotta focus on your strengths. Well, your strengths—it's not enough just to know your strengths in a crowded and distracted world. In a world with a nine second attention span, when we're, we're all, in, during any conversation, we're thinking about what's going on in our inbox, what's our next meeting, what am I going to feed the kids for dinner. It's not enough just to understand how you see the world. You need to understand now how the world sees you. And so this is flipping what the, 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 usual, the usual mode of evaluating ourselves is how you see the world. But when we turn it around and we look at it from the other perspective, we see the world sees you in a certain way. You can't change that. In fact, you shouldn't change it. You should become more of that. You don't need to change who you are to get more business. You need to become more of who you are and you need to build your business around those innate strengths.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a great point too, because I see a lot of business owners that, you, you know, I've, I've been preaching for years that, that your key to success is finding a way to differentiate your business from what everybody else says they do. And, and I think ultimately the only thing we really own <laughs> that's different is our story. And, and so to, to really lead with that or like, as you were saying, you know, being more of who you are, you know, that really is the secret to differentiating.
1: And the cool thing is that that differentiator is already built into you. In other words, you don't have to buy that. It's not like overhead. It's not like employees. It's not like marketing costs, which can all increase and you can't control. And you don't know if they're working, and you have to acquire them. Overhead depreciates. Employees leave. Um, the difference is that your personality is something that you already have, and the more that you can begin to understand how do you how do you build your business to leverage those advantages, that's a competitive edge. You know, that's like, that's really using what you have as an asset. And so w- when I, when I, when I work with small business owners and we, we talk about how do you build the team around who you are to make sure that everybody on your team is optimizing your personality strengths, um, then you can use that in your business to have a more distinct place in the mind of your or customer or prospect
0: yeah and I, and I want to give
1: s- you an example, yeah, I was that?
0: gonna absolutely I, I do want to spend a lot of time on on what you just mentioned there of how small businesses can can use this, but uh, yeah, give me an example, and then I want to ask you one more question before we get into that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give you just a tiny quick example. So I'm a small business owner, and, and as, as is the case with everybody who's listening to this conversation, there, there are certain things that my company does extremely well, name even my company is Fascinate. We help people become more fascinating in their communication based on their personality advantages. So we do that very well, but there are many things we don't do well. We don't do them better than other people could, and so it becomes really important when I'm interacting with every single client and customer that I do more of the things that we do distinctly well, and I do less of the things that we can't do better than other people. In other words, I want every interaction to remind them of my message, to repeat it so that I have such a such a clear place in their mind. So one of the ways that we cannot do better than other people can is expense reports. I hate doing expense reports. It's, I, I'm a, my personality type is named the, uh, the catalyst. Catalyst is primary passion, secondary rebellion. That means it's big picture, creative, focused, entrepreneurial, uh, and focused on the big picture. So for me, I can do expense reports, but it's not the highest and best use of my time. So I've created a policy that we simply don't do expense reports because I know that if I'm when I interact with a client or customer and I've just done this huge, amazing, world-changing presentation to them or shown them an insight about their business they couldn't have seen before, then we have to follow up with $10 taxi receipts. It's just, you know, like that's not that note that I want to end on. So we negotiated up front to not do expense reports, just set a flat travel fee or or flat, hard costs, and it's the same for everybody, and it's standardized, um, and it's fixed. So that way we don't have to – we can avoid having the potential downside of expense reports. And that's an example of how I've built my company around my personality advantages. But let's say I had a different personality type. Imagine that I was analytical and rational and logical and I, I could really demonstrate my unique value through expense reports. Say I'm a, say I'm a CPA and I'm kind of a um, – everybody knows they can come to me because the distinct value that I deliver is I'm going to have the most precise, the most fast, the most accurate expense reports. Well, then in that case, I'd want to have a company that does expense reports all the time. And in fact, because that's a, that's a, a badge of my distinct value, I should be doing expense reports at every turn because that's going to remind people over and over again that I'm different and better than my competition. So those are two very different examples of how you can take just a standard, boring, mundane day-to-day task. And it either becomes a way in which you're adding value or it's something that you should take off the table. Because every piece of communication, whether it's an expense report or a Facebook status update or a newsletter, um, a piece of paid media, all of these are interactions with our our clients and our prospects. And we want to remind them of our distinct value. And the good news is to find your distinct value, all you have to do is look at your core personality advantages hardwired within you.
0: Well and and I love that too because you know what you're taught you you listed them as mundane simple things, but um in, in all the years I've been doing this, those are the things that make a difference. You know, nobody else is doing those, nobody else is focused on those. And that really is how you build a small business brand, I think. The, um, yeah,
1: it's not about changing the product. I mean this is a really cool thing. I and mean, then I love that you talk about this, John. You don't have to reinvent your product and create some Um, some dazzling new reinvention, you have to do a few things extremely well and then crazy over-deliver in those areas.
0: Yeah. In in all the work uh, that you've done uh, and look now at tens of thousands of these, are you starting to see typical archetypes by profession? And I know that that we might call these stereotypes, but, but, you know, like engineers seem to be X. You know, speakers, authors seem to be X.
1: Yes, we see a really strong correlation. And, in fact, it's not even stereotypes because we have the data to back it up. We've studied over 160,000 people, and many of them are are small business people. And um, I'll give you some examples of of generalities that we find. People who are really great at technology and IT, they tend to be solo intellectual types who don't really want a lot of interaction and drama. They kind of want to, like, let me just give me the pieces, let me figure it out, and I'll come back to you with the answer. That archetype is named the bullseye. The bullseye differentiates themselves by being precise, sharp, and under the radar. So you give them the data, they come back to you with the answer. On the other hand, there's a personality archetype named the beloved. The beloved is that uh, it's the best assistant that you've ever had. There are the three adjectives associated with that archetype is nurturing, loyal, and sincere. They're, these are the people who feel good. They feel like chocolate chip cookies. They take care of the group. Um, A third example that I'll give you is the sustainer. The sustainer is primary, alarm, secondary, trust. The three adjectives for them are steadfast, composed, and by the book. They're great at keeping things on on task, schedule, budgets, timelines, deadlines. So when I hire, when I look at this, when I look at the matrix of the 49 different archetypes, I figure out which archetype I want to hire, then then the candidates take the personality assessment, and I look at that score before I even look at their resume. When I when I was hiring my own executive assistant, I knew that I needed somebody with alarm and trust. Alarm is about details; trust is about consistency. So I needed somebody who was going to do details consistently, because I'm not good at that, as we know from expense reports. So um, so I I tested candidates until I found somebody who had the right combination. And, uh, and she's fantastic. Her name is Kristen and no, you can't hire her. She's mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, so- and I know that when I'm, it, but if I was hiring for a different type of position, like somebody to do programming or, um, uh, like if I wanted a VA who is going to be able to do something highly technical and precise, I would hire a bullseye, the, the archetype I had mentioned before.
0: Well, so, um you know this i've uh, taken the test and uh, so maybe uh, maybe use me as a, as an example if you're working with a a business owner and I, and i i'm guessing i fit a typical author speaker person that's out there trying to lead a message uh, probably um but uh, but you know what mine uh, mine is so you want to maybe riff on that a bit
1: yes yes your archetype is one of the most desirable among leaders we see it a lot in the c suite Your archetype is named the guardian. The guardian is primary power, secondary trust. The power trigger indicates that you're a natural leader. You have strength and authority. You're an expert. You're perceived automatically as somebody who leads groups. But you combine that with trust, which is about um, building loyalty, being consistent, giving people a a steady view of the future. When we look at your work, when we, when we, if I can deconstruct you for a moment, when we look at the work that the, The way in which you've built your audience is by having a very consistent message over time, but from a position of leadership and strength. When you and I first got to know each other back in 2010, um You had already built a voice and a, and and a long time a long time archive of, of being able to instruct people, showing them how to lead in their own lives, showing them how to lead in their business, but with values that were firmly rooted. And so the trajectory of your career has grown steadily, but with such a strong foundation because you are the guardian. The guardian, the three adjectives associated with the guardian are established genuine and sure-footed so you have an established reputation and place in the industry both for speaking as an author and a thought leader you're genuine. I, John, I've had the opportunity to watch you on many different shows, many different videos and articles, and you, 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 you're true blue. You come back to the same values over and over, and you're sure-footed. That sure-footedness shines through in your confidence and in the way that you're able to, uh, to take many different types of uh, business and companies and, and owners and, uh, and, and help people see the path to the long-term success.
0: Wow, I'm 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 standing now because I do these when I'm standing, but now my chest is all uh, puffed out. So, <laughs> so, so now you need to tell me what what are my pitfalls then?
1: Well, every archetype has a pitfall. And a pitfall is not a bad thing. It means if things are going to go wrong, this is a potential blind spot. So it's it, the uh, the pitfall of the guardian is that they can become they're, they're so steadfast. If you think of somebody like a like a Warren Buffett, where um, consistently articulating the same values, the same message, and the same goals, as the as the economy changes, as the environment changes, sometimes it can be important for you to be nimble and for you to be able to change. Now, when we when when I look at your body of work. Before we had the opportunity to chat today, I went and I, I, I re-familiarized myself with, with looking at the trajectory of, of this career of yours and the many pieces you've published and that are available on um, Kindle and in different formats. And what we see is that you are evolving, but you're doing it in a really gradual way. So you're not succumbing to your pitfall. You are, you, you've are you've changed and evolved as, as small business has evolved and, and as the environment has changed, you've changed your work along with it. A place where you might see your pitfalls showing up is that it's possible you would have a favorite restaurant, that you always go to that same restaurant. You always order the same dish. or You always listen to the same music. You always have the same friends.
0: Oh, my staff. My staff put you up to, to that, through. didn't
1: they? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's good for you to work with people who have... Um, uh, that say the passion trigger, who are going to be able to say, "Hey, John, let's take a break and everybody go out and do a culture building exercise." Is something that's maybe not as a, not not a linear goal, but it's part of the big picture goal. Or even somebody who has the use of the rebellion trigger, who could say, "John, let's try to think of a radically different thing that we could do as a social media exercise, just to find out to kind of test the limits of of what the duct tape marketing brand could do." So if the point is not for you to change who you are. It's for you to optimize yourself as a leader by making sure the team that surrounds you is supporting your strengths and allowing you to become more of your best, but filling in in those places where you might have a blind spot.
0: See, listeners thought that this was a show. Of, um where I could have, you know, Sally share her brilliance, but what I'm really doing is getting a coaching session here. So sorry about that. <laughs> so 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 now that let's just go keep going with Guardian. You don't have to use me as an example, but since we've really gone pretty deep in that one, uh if you were uh if you were consulting or coaching or or your team was working with uh, a business owner uh that that was in that archetype what What would be maybe some of the things that you could say, here's how you could really take advantage of this, here's how you could use it for hiring for uh, for creating products, for you know creating your brand, all all the things that maybe you've seen people do to really amplify this what you've described as a positive thing?
1: Yeah, great question. So let's talk about practical application. I'm going to use you as an example because we've already kind of set that up, the guardian. Now, remember, I mentioned that the top three adjectives associated with the guardian are established, genuine, sure-footed. So what this means is that with every single piece of marketing communication, you should convey these qualities of being established, genuine, and sure-footed. So with, with every interaction, every newsletter, every every sales letter, every piece of direct mail, every flyer, every every business card, every, every, every time they... Walk into your retail location, or, or or talks to somebody from your customer service team on the phone. They should this the, these three qualities should resonate through. So, for example, if you were going to be writing some copy for, say, um, your Facebook fan page or your LinkedIn profile for your for your company, you would want to make sure people know you are established. You're not fly by night. You're not um, you're not dabbling in what you do. You have an established track record, a respected history over time that you can point to. You get you have references. Is. You have um, you, you, you've, uh, you you're not new to what you're doing. The second thing is that you're genuine. You would want to make sure that you never did anything that distracted from this idea, this um, this asset, this you that this value that you deliver of being genuine. There are a lot of people in the world, um, in, in in every different industry that are not genuine, and so they can't play to this strength. What you would want to do is make sure that you're as transparent as possible. You might use video. You might talk about failures. You might demonstrate, uh, have people give testimonials about your character and your personality, people who've known you for a long time, to reinforce this idea that what, who you are as a person and what you do as duct tape marketing are the same thing, that one is an expression of the other.
0: Well, and for one of the things... Well, I was just going to say yeah. one of the things I wanted to jump in there on is, is the, to, to remind people, too, is what's so brilliant about that, too, uh, that idea is that it really b- creates a very, very simple filter. Uh, so as you said, you know, a- anytime we write something, if we create a new product, if we hire somebody that's going to work on our behalf, that, 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 that you know, you, you can ask those simple questions. You know, is this genuine? Is this, um, you know, credible? Is this practical? Genuine, uh, and it, yeah, established or it yeah, yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Now, as a, as a point of contrast... My archetype is very different than yours. Whereas you have power plus trust, I have passion plus rebellion. You're just a (laughs) troublemaker. Very different.
0: You're just a troublemaker. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's right. And you know what? Here's the thing. That's part of my distinct value. If I'm not doing that, if I'm not stirring up a little bit of trouble with a little a a wink and a smile and a a kick of my heels, then I'm not doing my job. I'm not I'm not setting myself out separate from my competition. So the three adjectives associated with my archetype are outgoing, experimental, and out of the box. This means, as a small business owner, it's my it's not only my opportunity. To be those three adjectives, it's my duty in order for me to do the best by my customers and my and my, my staff, my business vision. I have to be that. And if something prevents me from being that, I'm not adding my distinct value. And that's why I don't do expense reports. I can't add distinct value through my expense reports. So, I've simply taken that part of the equation off the table. Now, like I said, you, for somebody else, they would make totally different decisions. But the opportunity is this as small business owners, we have the opportunity to build a company that works for us and that allows us to rise to the very highest value for our customers, for our employees, our partners, our vendors, our family. And so we have an obligation to make sure that we're not just doing things by the book, but rather we're making strategic choices that allow us to become as valuable as possible through every single piece of marketing, every single product and service, every time we're, we're communicating, that we add value. We're not just taking up space.
0: Sally thanks so much for this. Uh, folks, uh, where where can people take the fascination uh, advantage uh, uh test themselves? Cuz you know, at the very least, go take it yourself, have your staff take it and then uh, you guys will sit around and have a discussion like you've never had before in your business. So so, so tell people where they can uh, where they can get that.
1: It's at howtofascinate.com. At howtofascinate.com and the assessment is
0: so uh sally i can lost you, you. i, was, I, 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 <laughs> I was, lost you there for a minute i'm
1: sorry i sw- i swallowed the wrong way <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then you had to mute yourself huh? um, i think
1: you almost you you sounded like me getting the heimlich maneuver
0: <laughs> all right so um tell people where and i'll edit this out um so tell people where they can find the uh the or take the the test themselves
1: great it's at how to and the test only takes about two or three minutes. It's only 28 questions. It's based on our research with 160,000 people with research published in 14 languages, and uh, we love working with small business owners because for them, for nobody, is it more important to understand your personality advantages than as a small business owner because you can really move the needle simply by understanding more of how how do you use your own natural personality strengths to uh, to to motivate your customers to attract to attract better buying decisions to build your business.
0: Well, and to get people in the right positions too. I mean, imagine if you had uh, if you needed expense reports done, and there was somebody in your organization who was languishing away doing something else that would just like be killer at expense reports. You know, this will help you get them in the right position.
1: Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not a matter of uh, of of changing your team. It's about making sure that each person is working at their highest and best value, so that people are are more dedicated to you, they're more bonded to you, more loyal to you, and that you can be seeing better results. So that you're not dealing with headaches, you're dealing with high performers. Yeah,
0: absolutely, Sally. Thanks again so much. Uh, hopefully, we will see you out there on the road.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to talk with you.